Welcome to another episode on the Phoenix Rising podcast, journeys of descending into the mysteries and rising from the roots. I am your host, Lisa Hillier, and today I have Megan Som on the show with me. And Megan is a mother of three spirited children. She owns a 320 acre working wellness ranch. She is an empowerment educator and entrepreneur of 17 years who loves to travel, spend time in nature with her family, her animals, as well as relax. She is a life coach, a passionate hearted life coach and business coach, works with addiction and heals with the horses. And so in this episode, Megan dives into how to heal with the horses and the medicine that they offer, how they raise our vibration, they calm our nervous system, how they work as a sentient, as sentient beings, and just the medicine that is received through the horses. I love this episode so much, and I can't wait you to listen to the magic that is received when working with the horses. So welcome, Megan. And to start, what is the story that has brought you to the work that you are doing on the planet today? Oh, well, thank you for having me, Lisa. I'm super excited to be here. Um, and yeah, just talk about kind of like the, the relationship with our purpose and um, our place here. And so for me, um, I yeah, it's been a long journey of how I've gotten to kind of where I am. Um, I'm one of these people that's very like multi-passionate. Um, I believe in kind of like a lot of different facets of purpose and um, so, you know, I've kind of been there, done that. I started off... Uh, you know, in my journey, I would say horses being something that were just like part of my family. And it was kind of the thing that we did um, together on the weekends and, and whatnot. And then as kind of my passion grew and the varying different things happened in my life, um, horses got me through a lot. And so as I was going in my younger years, thinking like, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? Um, Because, you know, back then I had to have a very specific thing and I was going to be a veterinarian, just like every other little farm girl. Um, I set myself up for that. So I started working at a vet clinic. I worked there for many years, uh, six years. I was accepted into vet school. And one night I just, um, right before I was supposed to like give my acceptance letter, I woke up and I was like, this is all wrong. And I had no idea why it was wrong. I just knew it was. And I got on the Google and I was like searching all of these different things about like what else I could do with horses. And that actually was like really enlightening for me because I started to see that there was all these other options. And my purpose really was to give back to horses because of what they had done for me in my life. And we can talk more about what that is, Mm -hmm. but um, I wanted to serve them in some way. And kind of like as a, as a tributor and a thank you. And being a vet was initially the only thing that I kind of thought was available to me with that. With that. And um, so I ended up going into healing for horses. So doing like massage and energy work and acupuncture or acupressure, sorry, um, chiropractics, all that sort of stuff. And I went and took the training. But what was really interesting was that was a pivotal moment for me of choosing myself versus the expectation of kind of what I had set up for myself, as well as what everybody around me knew 
was right for me and kind of going against the grain. And um, I would say that that's kind of been my, my life lesson of going against the grain and, and finding what's right for me. So um, that's how I landed in working with horses. And then through that journey, um, I got really burnt out because I was giving, 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 and I didn't have a lot of kind of like understanding of how to give back to myself in those spaces. And I was um, attracting a certain type of client. And those types of clients were heavy on trauma, heavy um, in relationship stuff, like relationship stuff going on in their lives. And their horses were presenting that to them in manifestation of behavior, or uh, biomechanical stuff going on. So like through their physical realm, they were very like injured and various different things. So I was working on all these horses, but I was having all this other stuff coming through in regards to their people. And I didn't really know how to handle that. So I uh, burnt out <laughs> and stepped away from that in that realm um, and went into like being like, no, horses need to go back to being my therapy my place um and uh went into more of the realm of like coaching and fitness and i opened a fitness studio here at the ranch and that lo and behold was the same clientele that found me and um you know i recognized in that moment that it was like oh that's okay i need to do some work on how to support myself and how to support this this demographic of beautiful people that seems to be finding me for whatever reason they're finding me. Um, and that's what led me into kind of my current work today. So it's, it's morphed and it's developed. Um, and the horses have shown up in different ways all the way through that process. But yeah, so that's kind of how I've, I've landed. Um, beautiful. A woven web that is <laughs> constantly changing and shifting and morphing and revealing itself in different facets. I love that. Really? Um, so with the like chiropractic, I think you spoke of chiropractic and mm -hmm. like Reiki and was that specifically to do on the horses? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was like healing specific to horses. So I, I created a very successful business traveling like race horses, athletic horses, pasture ponies, like all of these different clientele. Um, and I would travel all over the place and work specifically on horses that were in need of physical um, healing or, you know, what I found and discovered more mental, emotional healing. Um, and uh, yeah, so that was my initial training is in equine sports therapy, it's called and uh, working on horses. Beautiful. And so I've never like I've, I have lived on farms, actually, mm -hmm. in different point, points of my life, but I've never deeply connected to horses. And last fall, Sarah Clark did a, a soul portrait for me. And so she, she journeyed to meet my soul. And she's like, part of your healing right now is a white horse. And it just randomly, the goddess like has spoke, spun such a, uh, a web for me in the fall where I've landed in this tiny house on farmland outside of DeWinton. And there's horses and cows all around me. <laughs> I'm just like, that is so random that, you know, horses have never been a big part of my journey, but there's been like interest in it. And then all of a sudden I land up, end up on this farmland and there's this white horse that I see every yeah. day. So amazing. Um, yeah. So synchronistic in the, the beautiful ways that life, um, 
weaves for us. So what have the horses given you? Mm. Uh, well, I was talking about synchronicity. I have a white horse that came into my life a couple of years ago for very specific reasons and what he has given me. Um, but we have 22. We just recently lost a herd member this week. So that's sad, but we have uh, 22 herd members here on the ranch. And every one of them, I would say, has given me um, some form of different lesson about my identity and my healing and um, kind of my process through throughout, right? They're, they're quite phenomenal. Horses are... Um, actually now classified as a sentient being, which is fabulous. Um, and through the HeartMath Institute, they've actually been able to track now um, equine facilitated work in regards to the megahertz that are being um, transmitted when horses are working with humans. And so there's a whole lot of science backing now too um, around the work that's done with horses. How they've changed me is that they have been kind of I want to say the entity, but the, the being that has always been there for me during times of joy, but times of crisis, times of loss. Um, when I was quite a bit younger, um, I had cancer. And so my mom and dad were shuttling me back and forth and to the hospital and, and whatnot. And my mom always spent a lot of time back at the ranch with me with the horses. And I, I think like those are my first memories is really being just being in the healing space with the horses and um, the land, right. And getting through that and the cancer treatments. And then my, my father passed away when I was 10. And so there was a lot of grief um, while I was nine and my 10 year old year, there was a lot of grief and, a lot of confusion and my place to be was with the horses right mm -hmm. and then you know varying middle middle school high school traumas and and the things that you go through as a young person um they're always they've always drawn me back so even though I've kind of like gone and done other things and left the ranch and that sort of stuff horses always kind of bring me back and so through that process that's kind of where I landed like they've done so much work for me in regards to keeping me what I feel is a fairly balanced and centered human being <laughs> and uh, productive and moving forward and, and that sort of stuff that I wanted to provide back to them. And, and so it's been a, it's been a true treasure and blessing over the last couple of years for them to come out with more and more information and research about how horses actually are impacting our nervous systems and, um, and why. And uh, so that there's that backing, but yeah, they kind of got me through all my stuff, right? Like it's the, the dark, the dark moments, the dark nights of the soul for sure. Yeah. And it feels like this space holder for you or somewhere, you know, where you can just yeah be or meet yourself exactly where you're at. And so that's so beautiful and powerful that they've been that mm -hmm. for you mm -hmm. in your life. And so with that, like science backing. So what does that look like? So how does a horse actually heal us? You know, it's mm -hmm. like, I can cuddle with my dog yeah. and that's healing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, you live longer if you have animals, there's proof of that. But so what does the horse do other than just like, is there, is there like regulation that happens with the nervous Absolutely. system? Yeah. yeah. What does that look like? Well, there's definitely the, the beauty of horses is that, um, they are herd animals. 
So what that essentially means is that they have a singular vibration. So they have their own uh, frequency that they run at. And then they also have a herd frequency. And so what happens when we're in their presence is that they are assessing us right away based on are, are we a singular or are we a herd? And what that does for our vibration, and if you hook up a megahertz meter, then they can track that, is that we generally speaking as humans run at about 100, well, no, on a good day, 75 to 125 maximum, you know, in our most enlightened state um, would be 125 megahertz. And a horse nat like on the frequency scale? On the, yeah, on the frequency okay. scale. Yeah. And um, so this is a little bit of the sciencey piece of it, right, is that Horses just eating grass out in a field doing nothing run at a minimum of 250, right? So even by just being in their presence, not even working with them, not even having to, you know, receive their healing, anything like that, just by being in their energy space, um, we, our frequency is raising because they're herd animals. So they have what's called a collective frequency. So they're always balancing each other in the herd. Um, to maintain a, a sense of regulation and peace. Horses' main ability to maintain peace is their safety. So they're always looking to change the environment, to move out of an environment, to um, create an environment that creates a sense of peace for them. And peace is safety. So it's, you know, shelter, food, and the environment being calm. Interestingly, though, they're leadership animals, right? So they have what's called a pecking order and there's a leader and there's a bottom and then there's all of the in-betweens when they're in a herd. And horses have this ability to understand that somebody has to take on that leadership role to create peace and safety for the rest of the herd. And so there's always kind of like conversation that's happening within a herd around who and when is the right timing for those leaders to emerge. Um, so horses heal us in many different ways. One being just being in their presence and having a higher frequency. Where we see this most in healing is with people that are feeling very dysregulated, quite anxious, um, and a lot of physical ailment. So um, I have a really cool story about one of my horses working with a longtime client and she um, had been kind of coming and she has a lot of different physical ailments that she would say debilitate her. And um, so she just likes spending time in the presence of horses and just sitting with them. And um, one day she came and it, she was really, really having a high stress, anxiety centered day. She was going in for surgery the next day for her eye. And one of my horses, Roy, uh, spent time with her and the entire session he just rubbed his lips on her right eye over and over and over again and I kept saying like is that comfortable would you like me to set a boundary there like do you need space and she was like no you know he's doing it for a reason and I'm just gonna like let it be and we talked through some of the processing and about the anxiety and what she could do and all that sort of stuff and then when she went in the next day to her surgery her doctor wasn't there and there was a new doctor there and he said I, and I got brought in, your surgeon unfortunately had to go deal with some other emergencies. Because I've never met you, I would like to run some other tests. Um, and are you okay with that? And she said, yeah, absolutely. And so he's like, have you ever had your eyes checked? And she said, no. 
And he said, okay, so we're gonna go through and do these special tests. And what they ended up discovering is that she had a mask behind her one eye that was pushing on a, a nerve and a blood vessel that was causing her heart problems. And so in the long run, she never even had to have surgery and she doesn't have a heart condition. She had to have a mask removed behind her eye. And, oh. and so horses, they seek anything that isn't congruent. So when they look at our nervous system, because horses communicate nervous system to nervous system, they don't have the ability to talk and use silly words and, you know, emotion in the same way we do. They literally speak from one nervous system to another nervous system. And when they check into that nervous system, because they're a herd animal, they're going to read your nervous system and see what your, what your intention is, right? What is your intention in joining with me, in harming me, in, you know, uh, being in my space? And they start to connect to that. And what they pick up is congruencies or incongruencies. And wherever there's an incongruency, they would like to remove it because it damages their peace. It changes our energy frequency, our vibration. And so what they do is they use their leadership skills and they essentially start to say, right here, right here, this needs attending to. This, this thing right here is creating um, kind of a, a frequency that is draining you or it is not good for you or whatever right so that's an example of like a physical finding from a horse based on just being in their presence that's horses yeah yeah they're they're pretty neat um they also mirror so part of their communication is mirroring so when they work with each other or communicating with each other they will show each other through physical body movements and various different things, what, what is going on with a, a horse that's with them. So they do that with people too. Mm. And so where it's very powerful in doing subconscious work and, you know, the unconscious work is that aspect of most of that stuff we're not very aware of in ourselves, mm. right? We kind of have our stories that we've been fed or we tell ourselves um, and they tell us the truth. So we tell, you know, we say that there are, there are truth detectors or lie detectors, however you want to look at it. Um, and they'll mirror that out. So we've had horses that in sessions are walking backwards quite quickly around a round pen and digging holes. And that is not a natural movement for a horse. We've had horses play out an entire scene of somebody's like life in a fight that's happening between themselves and the polarity or themselves and somebody in their life or, you know, um, different characters in their lives. like and you know, for, for a facilitator, such as myself, your job, my job is to um, bring light to what I'm seeing in front of me and how that is familiar or relates to what's going on within that person's realm, right? So, um, yeah, so they work with people in many different ways, right through to leadership and team building type stuff and teaching people about energy and space and boundaries and saying no and stepping in and speaking your truth and all of the things um, because it's their natural language. Oh, wow. That's so powerful. And so they would be able to detect emotionally what might be going on yep. as well. And, yep. and if, and they can shift that frequency yeah, can, or emotion can. or yeah. So similar to like, um, like in, a, let's say in a meditation or yoga, like a, like a Nidra, right. You tapping into that unconscious. Right. And sometimes there's more, it lifts and there's more work to be done. And sometimes just it being seen 
is enough for that kind of like residue to discharge and leave the and leave the body and, and start the reprogramming process. And horses are very similar because they take us to a same or a very similar state as some forms of meditation and nidras and, and various different forms of asana, right? Um, is the work begins in that in-between space where you know you have insight, but it's when you get into the I've gone this far, there is no way of me going back, but I don't know what yet is forward. That's where horses energy frequency lives. Mm -hmm. So it takes us there very quickly. So people kind of um, have this kind of like awarenesses or the unconscious lifts or the traumas and it takes you right there. And so you have to also be delicate when working with horses, with people, with a lot of trauma and various different things it's because it can lift things that they may not be ready to explore yeah yeah so you know having a facilitator that is capable of holding that space is really important so with the horses that's so powerful and beautiful that they just raise your vibration simply by being in an environment with them um so with life coaching, because I know that's something that you mm-hmm. you do yep. and you work with the horses as well, is it kind of like, you know, the horses might identify certain things and then you work, like there's the relationship between the three of you that takes yes. place with the... Yeah, absolutely. So oftentimes um, I will work with people and it'll just be myself and that person and kind of getting started and building a relationship of trust and all that sort of stuff. Um, And then when we, when we kind of like land in certain areas of exploration or unearthing, I call it right. Like then I'm like, it's time, time to go to the horses or bring the horse energy in the horses don't always have to be present. Um, My herd has been doing this for (laughs) quite a long time. They've all chosen to do this work. Um, And that's a part of this is that the horses have to choose to like be part of this partnership. So um, how do you know that they've chosen? Oh, (laughs) so, well, one, they end up here um, and two, they invite clients. And so I guess that can be one of my stories of synchronicity is that they, they invite very particular people here um, and work with them. And one way of just simply knowing that a horse is, is showing up for a specific client is that when I am working with that client, I have that intention. I, I, I see that client in my visualization and there will always be a horse that shows up some way somehow. And so you're talking about this white horse that came through in a vision for you or in a, in a reading and all of a sudden, lo and behold, you land and you're in this environment and there's a white horse there, right? Horses have a phenomenal ability to do work in the physical present, you know, in the physical, but also in the ethereal. So they are quite powerful in regards to um, what they know they need to work on. I have horses on the ranch that work more specifically with loss. I have ones that work more specifically with traumas, energy, anxiety, um, belief systems type stuff and then like actual healing like you know energy healing sort of and and shocker work and stuff like that so like they are just like us they are guided into their own form of medicine and how they work with people and um, so you know fortunate for me we have horses that um, or we have enough space that we can have more than a couple horses. So we have this, you know, ability to kind of really allow them to work in the right places where they, they most want to be. 
Um, but yeah, they show up, they'll be standing at the gate, the horse will be there, the, the client will drive in, they'll see a horse, a specific horse, they'll start crying. They uh, are like that horse over there, like I just everything in that horse is drawing me in or it's making me afraid, one or the other, depending on what we're working on. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, yeah. And so if it's like that fear is coming up, is that where you kind of lean into the fear yeah. with, with the horse? Yeah, that, so generally speaking, from a facilitator's point of view, if we see somebody who's like, I've had people be like, I'll work with any horse, but that horse, that horse is, I've had people label horses as like ghost horses or bad horses or like mean horses, and they've never met them before. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, that's a really good indicator of somebody is avoiding making contact with a specific being without any background in that being um, that they are already at work and they've been working. And um, generally that's an invitation to just sit with the discomfort and to sit with that in-between space that we're talking about, right? Like that, that chaos space or the, um, I think you call it like the dark night of the soul, like that, that piece of like, the ending before the beginning um, space. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> horses are really good at that. We have a horse named Phantom here and we, and clients have aptly named him the Band-Aid because he's that horse that no matter whether you're willing, you're ready, you're inviting it or not, he's ripping the Band-Aid off and is like, yeah, so we're just going to get to it. And, you know, and it's hard. And it's, and it's, there's a lot of people that work with him that have been through or recovered from or are in active addiction um, because he's the, he's the catalyst of big trauma. And like, we just need to get in there and get that done so that we can move on from this. So yeah, Phantom's a, um, he's a deep, deep worker. Whereas we have uh, other horses that don't dally in that they're they're different and they tend to be the ones that clients are most attracted to at the beginning they they very much are like oh I you know I want to just brush this horse or I want to be around this horse or this horse just makes me feel really happy and it's that safe space right and and it's really great because we have those horses too that build build that safety and build that platform for healing to deepen yeah it's almost like you know as you navigate this spiritual path or, or whichever words resonate for everybody, but it's like, you meet, um, less intense layers first and yes. then you go deeper <laughs> and deeper. And then it's like, all of a sudden you're ready for phantom. Cause you're yeah. like, I'm ready for the, like the darkest night of the soul to uncover <laughs> yeah. the yeah. deepest depths within that's so beautiful. And, yeah. and so I, I think it's probably fair to say like the, the horse's trigger something within mm -hmm. individuals, which can be an activation yes. and then it, yeah. it's something to lean into there. Well, and because they're always communicating with us, right? So it's, it's this piece of like, um, the minute we are within their energetic range. So they all have a different size bubble. We call it a bubble because it's easier for people to kind of like understand that. Right. But they have this energy bubble. The minute that they reach out and they start communicating with you, you're, you're in the, you're in the work because mm -hmm they speak your their nervous system to your nervous system they know far more about us than we will ever know about ourselves because they tap right into that that's how they communicate and people will have all sorts of sensations right they will have tingling in their spines they will have feelings like pits in their stomach they will have all sorts of different things because it is a somatic process of how 
horses communicate. And the minute our nervous systems start to feel communicated with, it starts to share, hey, this is undone. Hey, this is something that um, may need to be retrieved. Hey, this is something that, right, and, and the stuff lifts. And, we, and, and that's why we have to be careful about how we um, facilitate that process for clients because it can be quite intense. And you have to be able to support whatever lifts because that's, that is the work with the horses is that you can't control what lifts. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And so with that, like, um, can you speak to trauma and the nervous system? But what I received from that, it's like, if the horse lifts something within like a traumatic experience or a a somatic experience, and there's something that's incomplete or never finished Mm -hmm. its loop, it's like our body needs to finish that loop to, I don't even know what word is coming to mind. It's not a word I use and I'm not even going to say it because it, (laughs) but it's like, it, um, it, it uh, moves it and processes it. Um, so then it's not recreating that traumatic experience over and over again. Is that fair to say? Like the, the loop is mm-hmm. completed and then the body like releases it in a sense. Yeah. With some traumas and some traumas are lifted and left. And so there has to be a lot of processing work that is done with that. So um you know, there are people that work with horses all over the place that don't have any background in trauma work, and that's not where they work. They work with children or they work with building leadership skills or whatever, and and their horses hopefully are willing to keep doing that work, whereas my horses are very much about depth. And, um, and I want to say, like, the, the unconscious healings that need to happen to us for us to meet our potential in this world. Right. And, and then that's the, the piece of what lifts could simply be part of that pattern that needs to be seen. It just needs, it just needs to be seen and then it can continue to move or recognized or brought to attention. And then there's other things that lift that need to really be unpacked and sat with for quite a long time. And we will sit in, in that work somatically, uh, for many sessions, depending on what's there. And my form of somatic work is through what's called Hakomi. Um, and that's a mindfulness centered psychotherapy. So it's really accessing the inner child and the family systems and, um, kind of like where we run into barriers and those defense mechanisms. And that works really quite beautifully with the horses. Um, and I think that's, that was also something that I was kind of guided into was this aspect of like, I have all these horses and I have this like life coach training and addiction recovery coach training and, you know, all these trainings. And I was like, okay, I'm ready to go. And then it was like, Oh, like I need some languaging to really understand what these horses are doing. And Hokomi um, for me was a really beautiful integration um, because of the philosophies behind it and all that sort of stuff. And so one of the main uh, philosophies behind Hakomi is um, interconnection and unity um, and organicity. And organicity is the key foundation of working with horses. You have to be in this space of complete entire organic, you know, unearthing, like what's going to be there is there. And it is uniquely that person's experience. And it is unlike any other experience that anyone else has had. Um, and you have to really be able to have people sit in that. And because I think that's that, um, 
that piece of our own medicine happens based and there's no one else out there like us right um so forth is our traumas and um you know so understanding the science of it but then the horses having the ability to discharge some of that energy is really helpful and horses are really great because you'll see them in a in a session doing a lot of licking and chewing doing a lot of rolling in the dirt um they do like a lot of blowing and they're just so great at teaching us how to like expel and discharge and be like like let that go like get it out right um and uh they help us learn how to use our breath so how they connect with us is through congruent breath. And what that looks like is from the heart space to a heart space, they will start to breathe at the same rate as us. And then they will expand our breath. And so teaching people how to use their breath also is something that is quite powerful in regards to trauma healing and recovery. Yeah, so horses... Um, because they're they're attracted to congruency right they teach us how to use a congruent breath um, to stay in our bodies so if you think like a lot of people that um maybe come for sessions with horses don't necessarily have the ability to know about mindfulness or how to feel safe being present in their bodies or any of those sort of things yet and um, you know, the last thing we want to do it with somebody in a, in a trauma state is to force them to try and be in their bodies, because that's a very scary place to be. Um, so horses do a beautiful job of keeping us present without us having to feel forced into being in our bodies. And they do that with the breath. Um, because they, you'll, you'll notice when they're with clients, they will start these big, big breaths, and then they kind of like take over that process for us. And we, and in Hokomi, we call that taking over, right? Um, and horses do this naturally, and, or with a horse that's sick, or, or scared, or anything like that, they'll do that in their own herd, they'll all start this collective um, congruent breathing, and that draws us into that healing space. So, in many ways horses help that was a really long answer to that That's way so back powerful. when question <laughs> there are many ways horses help us in our healing <laughs> yeah. oh that's amazing I never knew any of this that's so powerful just to mm -hmm. yeah it's like being held in something and then it like regulating you or attuning you to your own inner rhythms and navigating your own inner terrain in such a beautiful yeah. way so how does so is it kind of like you would come for like, let's say 12 sessions with mm -hmm. the horses or is it very organic to each person, their trauma, their situation? Totally. They yeah. Need to be met? Yeah. Because some people we don't ever even talk about, like we don't even touch into their traumas. Right. It's like, it just depends on like what, what is their, what, what role myself this ranch and these horses are meant to play in their in their journey right so sometimes people are here for a one-off kind of session they just come and tap in and see what's there and and other ones it's a longer term um you know with a more intentional focus of what we're working on towards goals um and other people it's you know we're working on their businesses and all of the barriers that get in the way of kind of like really allowing them to be successful in their in their passion so um it can be really every again every session is different every one of us is different every horse is different and every session is different um and we really kind of like base that on the need of the client 
Yeah. To what their goals are. Oh, I love that. I love that. So with, so it's, would this be something, you know, for businesses and thriving and allowing abundance and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. to come in, to be like seen and step into your medicine, the horses can start to help facilitate, like removing the blocks of what might stop you from allowing yourself yeah. to fully stand in your magic. 100%. Yeah. So like my jam, like as a, as being part of that partnership is patterns. Like I'm my, my jam is unearthing the unconscious patterns that you're stuck in, that you're maybe not choosing and that you've been put in that uh, you would like to shift and recreating that identity to that you need to have to be able to create new patterns in your life. Like that's, that's my jam. And so when I bring what I love doing in with the horses and then they really get after kind of the barriers, the beliefs, the, like the residue, the unfinished business, if you want to put it that way, Mm -hmm. that's kind of, you know, holding us back from shifting those patterns or that are keeping us in repeating those patterns because they're safe. Um, or they're known, or they're unconscious. And so when we partner those things together, yeah, it's, it's just a really kind of uh, allowing it to be what it is, and however long it's meant to be, but um, the horses take part in that process. And sometimes it's like, I work with clients all over the world, like on Zoom, and it's just simply bringing in the stories of some of the horses, and what they've been through, and how they've worked with other clients, and what they might be, or bringing the horses in through a meditation, um, stuff like that. Uh, A lot of times, we do something called meet the herd. And meet the herd is a simple, what we would call activity in the equine facilitated wellness world, but it's powerful, um, is where, you know, uh, we just allow the client to either have a sense of the herd members, or we send pictures or whatever it is. And they just go through and kind of like navigate through the, the varying aspects of the different herd members and whatever comes up to them, they either write it down or they just take note of it. And you will see where it gives people choice of where they want to work, where they get to choose where they want to work because, you know, Phantom, they might look at a picture of Phantom and Phantom is bringing up like, Whoa, like I haven't thought about that time that, you know, that kid did that to me in grade two since like 20 years ago. Right. And, and then all of a sudden they're at, Levi and Levi is like, oh, it's just making me feel really warm in my body. And he's more of a sensory guy, right? So then like they're like feeling all this warmth in their body. And then they might go to Roy and they feel like a deep sadness. And then our Zoe and they feel um, or they're having like a, a somatic kind of like discharge in their body. Every horse will lift something different in their own experience. And then the, the client then gets to choose they get the choice. Where do you, where do we want to go today? You know, where, what feels most like right here, right now, it's important to to explore. And sometimes it's simply like, I want to stay in that warmth today. I want to stay with Levi and others like, no, like phantoms calling me. Right. So it's, uh, it's, uh, (laughs) interesting and it's always adaptive. I mean, yes, through the last couple of years, we definitely had to readjust and do a lot more online. Mm-hmm. And uh, thankfully, you know, I I do my work, but also the horses can be present in that way too. And it's been great to have people back at the ranch now um, and in person. And and yeah, so there's lots of ways that equine work can be done, right? What color is Phantom? 
Phantom is beautiful. He is um, like a blood red, like a ruby red with four white legs and uh, half of a white face. So Phantom of the Opera. So he has, you know, and it's like the shadow side. So he's just this amazing, even his body represents the aspect of light and dark. And that, that shadow, his dark side has white eyelashes and his white side has black eyelashes. Oh, wow. And he's like the two face, like split in half. Yeah. And oh, that's um, really cool. Yeah. And he's powerful and he's big and he's all about freedom. So see, I feel like a call to phantom. So mm-hmm. I'm sure one time I'll come out to the ranch or something and I feel like I'll want to meet phantom. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, and it, when, and it's so fun to have everybody kind of like, well, how do you know you're feeling a call? Mm. Right. Like, where do you feel that call? Is it in your body? Do you just simply know it? You know, is it in your mind? And, and that's even a whole session there for some clients, right. Is just exploring, looking into that little bit of intuition they've never maybe mm. tapped into. Like, how do you know you're being called? Yeah. It's yeah. like that, um, yeah, I feel like it phantom in my body. I mm-hmm. felt like a, a reaction in my body when you spoke about phantom. And what it feels like is like that telepathically speaking with the horses or like that communication mm-hmm. that's happening in that space in between. You know, yeah. I'll call it the quantum field. It might not yep. be that for the horses, but it's like this other realm mm-hmm. that we're just not in always in our day-to-day but it's those intuitional hits where it's like ooh, I'm curious about that and it can show up as curiosity and just like yeah I kind of want to see what this is all about yeah. you know that yeah. feeling mm. yeah yeah and I love that you use the word curiosity because like that's kind of like the whole you know what my process of like what has this been about and if I could like bring it down to what are the two things that I hope for every client when they leave here is that they've adopted a really deep and sense of curiosity, because to me, that's the opposite of fear. And, you know, the, the consistency, you know, the dedication to consistency of a practice, whether, whether that's, you know, for their financial doing a budget, whether that's working out, whether that's a a meditation, whether that's all the things, drinking water every day, you know, looking inwards, doing, doing that consistency of practice, whatever that is for you, that builds you into the identity that you need to adopt and be, to be who you want to be is, is where it's at. And curiosity for the horses is like, that's who they are. They're constantly looking in and and going like, there's nothing to be. And it's quite funny because they're flight animals. Right. And so the, the beauty of horses is that they have no qualms about listening to their nervous system. So if something like a bag flaps in the field or a moose is running by or something like that, they're like, move my feet away. And it's okay. It's that's natural. It's natural to move your feet away from anything that feels like you don't know all about what, what it is. And, but the difference with horses is that they don't move away in avoidance. They move away into safety. So they move away far enough until their nervous system says that's good enough. You can assess from here. And they always turn back into whatever it is that moved them away and start moving back towards it and finding that threshold of comfort, but where they can be curious and they can take in information, but they've protected themselves first. I love that because humans are so like, a trauma oh, yeah. response will be to run away 
and yeah. literally keep running, running. and they, they yeah. never turn back. I, I think life eventually creates experiences, opportunities, <laughs> opportunities, invitations <laughs> where they have to, have turn, to back. turn back. Like, yeah. I got to turn back now, but they will, they'll, they will run. We will run yeah. as, as far as we can. Or we'll force and we'll make ourselves stay. Because, you know, it's like every woman that's ever walked down an alleyway or, you know, walking somewhere and gets this sense of like, this person's talking to me, but everything in my body's uncomfortable. And I'm just, it would be silly for me to like run away right now. So I'm just going to force myself here. You know, I use that example with a lot of my clients, but like we either fight and we force ourselves to hold and we damage and harm ourselves in that environment or we run and we don't stop running until we're forced to stop running and I think like that's the key is is like this isn't about it's about removing the force and and bringing in you know that that aspect of compassion and and awareness and listening but curiosity so if you're curious and you're listening you're going to have a wealth of information that is far different than if you're allowing fear or you know um, conditioning to make you hold or run. Yeah. Yeah. Or freeze. Freeze. Yeah. yeah. How does working with addiction work with, mm-hmm. uh, with you? Cause it, that's something that you do, right. Is work with addiction mm-hmm. and yeah. as well with the horses. Yeah. So, um, horses are amazing with addiction because they don't like anything that isn't congruent and addiction is coming from a place in ourselves that is so removed from ourselves that, um, they don't respond to it very well. So there's always quite big reactions and that's quite helpful when working with active addiction because sometimes people in active addiction need big, big responses (laughs) to um, kind of feel like they can be present. Um, The biggest thing with addiction is that um, mindfulness and being in a body that is suffering through addiction is quite painful for that person. And horses help us find a little bit more of a gentler approach to that, where you don't have to be in your body. You can utilize what the horse is showing you, what the horse is, you know, bringing to your, your feelings and your presence and your energy and all that sort of stuff without having to be in your body. And then we slowly integrate more of that, um, in regards to addiction, uh, recovery and those that who, you know, have walked the journey of recovery, It's really about being able to um, release all of the parts that I would say you, I I call it like the little bag that you've like filled up along the way of, you know, you've done the work, you've done the resources, you've, you've had the support and all those sort of things. Most people in recovery have done a deep sense of healing, Um, but it's the what now, who are you now? And how do you bring that forward um, in a sense of like, you know, teaching or knowledge or inner wisdom or that, that resource to yourself, but who, and who, who are you now and where do you want to go? So those are the majority of the clients I would say that are drawn here. They're either in active crisis and um, we're, we're delving into the patterns or we're in a state of recovery and we're saying, Let's make sure those patterns no longer live in your nervous system if you don't want them to, and so that you can develop new patterns. Um, and horses are, they show up equally for, for both aspects of that in, 
in support, in um, sometimes quite assertive, I would say. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of assertiveness that happens in that space because you have to take over that ego space and those horses don't delve in ego. They, they very much are in the, the spiritual, the soul space, right? And so when we are in our ego space and choosing to be in our suffering, they, uh, they don't respond well to that. And they will teach you, you know, <laughs> with their bodies <laughs> and with their energy and with, uh, you know, their, their little bit of force, it's the pressure. I, I've noticed a lot in clients, they will pressure you until you start to move more into a soul space. Oh, wow. It's almost like when the universe rips the rug out from underneath you and yeah. where it's like the universe forces you to look at some things that need mm-hmm. to be looked at. And so the horses yeah. do that as well, like shift yeah. you in. What would the assertiveness yeah. look like? So horses and their assertiveness is that um, it can feel quite aggressive to humans because their way of language is through um, space, right? So whomever can move whomever's feet is the boss. Um, and they move your feet and they move each other's feet by their physical presence, by biting, kicking, you know, all those sort of things. And so my horses have very specific rules here. They are not allowed to open their mouths or lift their feet ever um, to a client. But what they will do here is hold this big, intimidating kind of energy. They will rock you up and down the panels. <laughs> In a, in, a, in a round pen <laughs> so they will physically move your space or most importantly that I've seen is that they will not allow you to move them so no matter how big you get no matter how angry you get no matter how forceful you get they'll just sit there in peace and they show us a lot about how that inner storm that can come up and take over that power and create that chaos to kind of create flow or discharge or movement um, doesn't work to damage their peace. And they, and it's almost just like they block it out and there's nothing. And, and you've, and what some of the feedback has been from some clients is that it's like, they feel they they're making me feel very insignificant right now, like very small. And I'm like, right. Yeah. So then is it almost like a call for that person to step, like to step into being seen? Yeah. And like, here I am. Yeah. Like, and who are you really? So, you know, if you're, if you're, if anger is lifting in this moment, then let that anger be your voice. And if sadness is lifting in this moment, then let sadness be that voice. Right. And you have to show up congruently or they will not respond to you. Right. You are invisible. You are invisible unless you are congruent. And so it's like, be who you are, no matter how uncomfortable that may feel or how uncomfortable that might look or, you know, be seen. Yeah. That's who you are. This fakeness and this numbing and this aspect of like non-reality is that horses will not respond to that because literally you are invisible to them unless you are being congruent. It's like, you have no choice, but to let the masks fall away and show up yeah. in your, yeah. in your power. Like, yeah. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. wild. And I, and for like, um, people who have 
struggled with addiction and they're on the road to recovery, it's like assisting and rebuilding the foundation is and, and shifting those really hardwired yeah. belief systems or patterns so that you can create something new Absolutely. or yeah. come back into who you truly yeah. are who, outside. Who, who you were before, right? And yeah. or you yeah. know who who you were meant to be. And and that's that, you know, piece of what I love about horses is that there's just like, well, and, and the work that I get to do is like, we really foster this aspect of like, no shame, right? Like this is not a space for that. Um, it is a space for understanding your whys. So why are you here? Why are you the way you are? Why do you think the way you think? Why do you feel the way you feel? And giving that person those answers so that they understand themselves. Everybody's walking a journey, right? And we all end up where we are because of, like you said, the opportunities or the invitations or, you know, the things that we meet along that journey. And so there is no shame. There is no, you know, needing to feel like you should be different. It's just this aspect of like, come into yourself and accept where you are mm -hmm. and who you are. And then where do you want to go? Who do you want to be? And that's where we step into the next chapter, right? It's like, and now what do we have to do to do that? And, you know, horses, working with horses gives a, people a sense of hope that maybe they didn't have before, because when they are with horses, you are, you get to see yourself as your most authentic self. You get to, you get to witness, you know, your higher potential. You get to see that you can be present and mindful and care and, you know, express feelings and get through it. And like, so people always come with this, like, I don't want to say desperation, but there's always this like sense of like, I need to change. I need to change something about me. Mm. And the horses really are like, no, you just need to be you mm. as you are right now. And then I see you. And then we can, yeah. and then we can be here. And that's the most liberating experience for people is to be seen as they are and accepted as they are and non-judged. And then that empowers people to step into that bigger, higher dream or those bigger, higher desires or the potential, right? Um, you know, I like to share with my clients, like, like hope is being able to see that there is light despite all of the darkness from Desmond Tutu, right? Like that's like one of my most favorite quotes and it's like that is the essence of what horses do when they work with you mm -hmm. is being able to really like sit in that darkness but see the light that's around that space no matter what um you know they, yeah. they may be experiencing at the time it might feel very dark but there is always the presence of both it's like that being in the dark being in the dark night of the soul and meeting yourself mm -hmm. there. And it sounds like the, the, the horses hold space for you in those depths of darkness, as opposed to like trying to pull you out mm -hmm. or anything, you know, it's like, no, I'm meeting you right here and I can sit with you in this space and allow yeah. what wants to be witnessed and seen. It's like the, the depths of our pain holds the light too. Yeah. 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 Everything stems from the darkness. That's so beautiful. And so with, um, trauma, could you just touch on like how trauma is stored in the body and what, not necessarily what is trauma or maybe that, that weaves mm -hmm. into it, but it's like, 
we can have been told by a teacher to sit down. Mm. That can be a traumatic experience. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so there's so many different yeah. layers and nuances to trauma that it's like, yeah, we're, we're all carrying trauma. We're all some traumatized beings on this planet. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think like the, the layers, right. Is that there's trauma, there's the traumas that, um, we create, <laughs> there's the traumas that have been, uh, unpacked in our families, right? Like, so it's like vicarious trauma. It's trauma that you see and you witness, and then you become traumatized because of being part of that witnessing. There's trauma that is obviously ancestral, right? That we bring through. Um, and then there's like everyday traumas that are more around like, yeah, you stubbed your toe and it created an imbalance. And then that trauma led into connecting to another trauma. There's medical trauma. There's, um, you know, obviously abuse, assault, we'll call it like relational trauma. Um, and, but, you know, I have never, I mean, this is just my belief system, but I have never met somebody that would have gotten through life at all you know, without some form of trauma and trauma leaves residue in the nervous system. So the nervous system's job. So to me, the definition of trauma really is this aspect of like anything that your nervous system recognized as harm. Okay. So, you know, it could be something somebody said, harsh words, it could be an accident, it could be um, a behavior that you do to yourself or somebody does to you. It could be, um, you know, like I said, witnessing something. And, you know, we, because in past years, we've really classified trauma as really kind of like big T trauma. And that's the only thing that really matters. And that's the stuff that people have to work on is that we're in a whole different new world around trauma and how um, we carry trauma differently. Everybody carries trauma differently. And uh, based on their nervous system and their their will or their ability to resource and be able to be resourced, we all start into this world in trauma. Like it, it, it you, we enter through an aspect of resilience, right? We have to we have to move through something that's very traumatic to enter into the next phase of our being, and that's like life, right? So there's been no one I think that hasn't got some sort of programming in their nervous system based on a form of harm that's been done or had happened to them. Um, In regards to the nervous system, it's there to keep us safe. It's, It's our survival response. And so I like to use the analogy that our nervous system is like an endless room of file folders, right? And every little experience or big experience that we have, our nervous system is got people working really quickly to pull all those file folders out and flip through them all to anticipate what's coming, whether it is or not, whether it's the same experience or whether it's different. Um, And in those file folders, it gets really messy because you can have, let's say, a relationship file folder. And in that file folder is every relationship you've ever had and your beliefs around relationships and your belief around partnerships and intimacy and all these sort of things. And then what you've witnessed. And then in that could be like mixed up because you're like, oh, I've watched a bunch of shows that are about relationship. And this is what seems to happen every single time. And our nervous system is tracking every single experience that we give it. And so part of doing somatic work and working through trauma 
is opening up those file folders and getting rid of the stuff that should not be in those file folders, <laughs> organizing it. Because things otherwise start to connect and intermingle. And, you know, when we can be having a trauma response around one specific thing, and then all of a sudden, we're angry with these people in our lives, and then we're quitting our job. And then we're, and they, all these pieces are happening. And it's because the file folder is full of experience and information that does not necessarily need to be correlated. It's like and finishing those loops. Yeah. Like rewiring, right. Rewiring. Yeah. 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 Um, and making sense of it. And the more awareness we have of our own personal file folders and like what we've labeled them and what we've put in them and what our nervous system, you know, has stored, right? Because sometimes it just throws it away and other times it's in there and you're like, really, this was like, this happened 15 years ago. Like why all of a sudden is this like really relevant, right? And where we see most of that is when, you know, when people or ourselves, like if you've ever experienced where it just feels like no matter what it is, it's too much. Like in life, it's like I go to the grocery store and then this is happening and this is frustrating and that person cuts me off and this like, and it's like, everything is just too much. No matter what it is, everything's irritating you or everything's hurting you or everything. That's when you've got like a conference room full of file folders that are all open and left open and no one's resolving them. And your nervous system is just in a constant state of activation. and. your window of tolerance is like getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And, and then you're either stuck in hyperarousal or hypoarousal. And um, that's not a wonderful place to feel, right? <laughs> yeah. And in my experience, it's like um, people find safety in that. So I have mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. good friends or clients where they're perpetually recreating, yep. um, activating situations. So they are always in state of chaos yeah Yeah, state of chaos and it's 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 their whole life but that's because that's what has become the normal so the nervous system simply just tells us you know get back to a state of what feels comfortable to you Mm -hmm. right and so the harm that you know is often sometimes better than the harm that you don't and interesting yeah yeah and so it can be really tricky it can, be, it can be really tricky to navigate when your nervous system almost feels like it's working against you mm. because it's like, what, what do you mean the harm that I know is more comfortable than the harm that could be coming? So I'll stick in the chaos that I know and I'll keep creating that chaos so that I don't have to get outside of that chaos and see what's really there. Because outside of that chaos means it's all new. It means I have to rise to a different potential. It means that I have to do the work to stabilize that. It means that I have to see myself as a different identity. And if I was a different identity, who would that be? It's like that stepping into the unknown can be so terrifying, but it's where the magic resides, but it's like, I know this version of me. Yeah. That new identity is unknown. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. How do the horses work with grief? Sorry. Is there anything else that's coming up for you around that? Nope. Grief. Um, Because grief is something that is really, really individual to most people and what stages they're in. I find that the horses hold a lot of quiet space. It's quite peaceful when it's quite quiet. Um, 
people that are experiencing grief need things to feel simple and un, not requiring anything of them. And so when you come to sessions and there's a lot of grief, it can, at the beginning, I, I would say it just feels very, very still. And that allows the nervous system in a state of grief to just be very still. And then that allows for the processing of emotions to come up. People who are going through a lot of grief get very busy because grief is one of the most in-depth, hard you know, you know, experiences, emotions to go through because it's a continual state of harm. So grief traumatizes you for many, many different reasons. And it's acute and chronic. So, you know, the, the acute experience of grief is that something, a loss or something happened. And that was the acute trauma. And then it continues to create a, a chronic response in your nervous system, a trauma response. And so grief is one of the hardest things for people to recover from. What would those chronic responses be? Um, well, it's a chronic response because the grief doesn't just simply go away when processed, mm. like a lot of other acute traumas. So then it becomes this like um, chronic processing of that file folder being open and feeling the, you know, the depths of sadness, the depths of um, loneliness, the depths of uh, complete entire uh, re- kind of reevaluating and figuring out what you, who you are and what you are without that piece in your life. It's not coming back. Right. So whether, it, whether it's a human or a job or a, an animal or whatever it is that, you know, a part of yourself that is lost, it's, it's a whole rebirthing of moving on, moving forward as you are, but also as something else. And, um, you know, that can, that can look like exhaustion, depression. It can look like, um, anger. Yeah. Um, and so horses really, I find they really lean into grief because it is, it's a, it's an emotion that you cannot not be present in, if that makes sense. Like it forces you into being there. And the only thing that, you know, we see with a lot of grief people or people going suffering through grief is that, um, distraction is is one of the main tools to try and not feel to numb things out and then into addiction um and so horses will continuously try to bring you back into being present like let's no we don't need to work on that no we don't need to work on building your career right now no we don't need to work on like fixing this and fixing that and like because it's always just about like let's just be here let's just let your nervous system just settle Let's just allow the sun on your face and the wind in your hair and listen to the horses chewing or breathing or whatever for the next hour and get you to a state of complete entire regulation and presence just for a short period of time. And then we extend those periods of time um, as long as the nervous system can maintain it. It's like the horses guide you into being with your emotions and allowing them to Mm -hmm. process as opposed to running away from yeah. them or numbing them or masking them or all that fighting them yeah fighting Absolutely. them resisting yeah. them yeah oh that's yeah. powerful that's so powerful yeah. do you um I believe you have a story around synchronicity of how you mm. <laughs> came into this work is that right love yeah well it's <laughs> I wouldn't say well yeah how I came into this work but also 
just how these horses really are <clears throat> the work, <laughs> if that makes sense, right? You know, I, I was guided. Um, I had mentioned that, you know, I had opened up a fitness studio and I had like been burnt out and I was like, horses are going to be my thing. And, you know, because through the process of working on other people's horses and um, with other people, I moved away from the horses. I wasn't riding my horses. I was kind of avoiding my horses, all this sort of stuff. And, and, you know, later on, as I did the development work, I started to recognize like, oh, like this stuff is like lifting all the stuff in me that I've yet to attend to, right? That I've yet to explore. And my horses are making that really uncomfortable. But at that time, I didn't know that that's what they were doing. So I just kind of was like, ah, I don't want to go there. <laughs> I'm good. And I was pregnant. I was really heavily pregnant and um, I was going to be giving birth soon. So I had this woman's group that I was training out at the ranch and um, I didn't really know what that was going to look like because I was having a baby and I was like, okay, are we going to continue this? But we were wrapping up the six week program and we were sitting in circle. And that is something I've always done with my groups is sit in circle. Um, and at the end of this program, and we were talking about, kind of just like the parts of us that had changed in the last six weeks and like any of the patterns that we noticed we had um, at that time I used languaging like conquered and you know like that sort of stuff like any of the patterns that we had you know rocked and, and changed and all this sort of stuff and the horses were at the back of the field and we were out in the field and then all of a sudden all of the horses came galloping through the field and like right up to us and they just took over. I had like no part of facilitation of this uh, anymore. Like I was just like another human in this, in this ring of beautiful women and the horses just took over and all of this stuff was like, there's just like emotion and crying and like women who were scared of horses. And it was just like this beautiful wrap of this energy. And as I sat back and witnessed this, it became very clear to me that I was like, Oh, this is that moment. This is that moment that I'm now seeing the pieces come together around how my horses but how the horses in my life are you know paying you know I'm being able to pay back and they're also being able to do their work and I just really didn't recognize at that time the synchronicity of the healing that had been done in the times and so as I was sitting there and I was watching all these women with these horses all of these memories coming back of like different horses in my life and very specific um, memories and timing around moments that I had had with them with different emotions and feelings and tears and all the things were like flashing through right and and that for me was just a moment of like pure clarity of like oh I get it now like I'm a facilitator to this and I always have been I used to bring my friends out I used to be like no let's not go drinking this weekend let's go like camp with my horses <laughs> right? like, no let's right and I was always always since I was very little wanting to bring people to be with me with my horses and and just not having the conscious awareness of of the impact that they were having on me so that group really helped me understand like oh this is it this is this is the point of the space and these horses and all that sort of stuff and so that's what prepared me into you know, getting the education I needed and going and doing equine facilitated wellness training and the therapy training and all that sort of stuff um, while I was having a baby and, um, and then shifting my business into more of the coaching counseling aspect at the ranch here versus fitness um, and the somatic work. And then as that continued on, I had these amazing horses land here 
that I always say like they very purposely landed here um, that I just didn't even see coming, right? And it was this piece of like, um, I, I started this work and I knew what I was doing and I was really excited about it. And we were having all these great events, but it wasn't until these horses arrived that I really started to see like the depth of the work that was being done. And uh, one of the horses is Roy and I've talked about him in the, in the he's a grief horse. And <clears throat> he came to me through one of my mentors. And um, uh, my, my mentor had had an accident, a motorcycle accident and passed away. And um, left Roy to the program and to here. And so Roy arrived here and he went through this really dark, dark depression um, after Dave's death. And he just, he was a very social horse and a very like happy horse, right? And he just isolated himself and he just stand out in the field and not engage in any conversation any connection anything and I just said to everybody here like let's leave him just leave him he's got a process and we would just do gentle touch with him and like sit and circle around him and you know offer him energy and and various different things to get him through and then one day he was standing at the fence and I was like this is the first time ever that he's been here that this is happening I'm bringing him in no matter what <laughs> right and he was like ears up standing at the fence and so I brought him and Phantom in and they were tied up in the arena and I just did this really nice brushing session and he just seemed like he was excited like he was like something's coming and he was really like excited and lit, lit up in his eyes and I was like what what is going on and I had a client coming that afternoon and um I had felt that phantom was like who she was meant to meet and so I was like well I'm just gonna leave Roy into the arena like he can just stay and watch and be in the in the we have we call them the offices the horses offices so we have stalls that they can stay in and watch and whatever um for support and he was there and the client arrives she's a brand new client I've never met her and I said oh I left my paperwork back in the office so I'm just gonna go grab that if you don't mind and she's like no no not at all so she comes in I go grab the paperwork I come back and she is like sobbing and I'm going, oh, the work has begun. <laughs> okay. So, and I just said like, you know, what's, what's happening for you? Is there anything you need from me right now? And she said, no, I just, I'm here because I, all my trauma is lifting. I'm having major PTSD responses. I can't sleep. Uh, my anxiety is now to the point that um, full-blown like panic disorder, can't leave her house, is like going to lose her job, all this sort of stuff. And she just like blurs it all out. And the horses are just very still and quiet. And then she, and I said to her, okay, like, we'll, we'll dive into that. And she just kept staring at Roy and staring and staring. And I was like, you know, is there something about him that you are feeling really like curious about her? And she just said, I, I know him. I feel like I know him. And I said, oh, okay. And I said, well, tell me about that. And so she had for the last three years, been able to cope in her life because of a horse that lived down the road from her and so she used to come home every day from work and go sit in the field with this horse and this horse would just put his nose on her head and regulate her and then she would go in with her family and be able to carry on for the rest of her her days and then she would go to him anytime she felt dysregulated and then one day he wasn't there anymore right and since that point she had just not been doing well 
Um, and so she got to that kind of like that, you said that like dark point where you're like, I've got to do something about this. Right. And so she started Googling equine therapy and stuff because she had known how much this horse had helped her. And so I'm listening to her story and I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> and I said to her, like, he looks like this horse. And she said, yeah, like, he looks just like this horse. And I'm like, it is this horse. Like, that is this horse. I said, do you, and I, I asked where she lived and all this sort of stuff. And she said exactly where she lived. And I was like, that's this horse. <laughs> and he had brought her there. And because um, when you Google equine therapy, there is like thousands of websites. And I am definitely not in the first page. <laughs> So um, she had landed there and she continued to work with him for like two, three years off and on. Right. And they just developed this beautiful relationship. And still to this day, they have a beautiful relationship. And she, he completely got her through that. She's got a beautiful career. She has like moved on from all of these varying things that were holding her back. Um, and I had no part of that. And that was day one of his work. And when he decided to start to do the work here is when he brought her. That's so beautiful. Yeah. And we have oh, quite a few, that. quite a few of those types of stories, right. Of the synchronicities that are far beyond what we can see and that are in the back, you know, the, I like the back lot, the things that are happening behind the scenes that you have no idea. And, uh, and then it just all makes sense. It's like that you know, the unseen or the goddess will drop us nuggets on our path. I, I received a loud one on Friday, um, just a sign in a synchronicity. And it's like the horses are, are part of that. They're working with the, mm -hmm. the goddess, the unseen, the energy, the creator spirit, whatever word yeah. resonates for everybody. That's so beautiful. Mm. Yeah. yeah. What's been your biggest lesson along the way? Oh man. Hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah that we have the power to like co-create any desired outcome as long as we're willing to experience the opposite of what we want for a period of time that, that really yeah resonates for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right that's now. Been, yeah I feel like that's that's been my biggest lesson that's been my biggest journey and I see it show up repeatedly in the messaging that happens here yeah mm -hmm. You know, if if you are doing trauma work, um, you're gonna feel broken until you feel healed. Yeah, it's a powerful yeah. one. How do you experience the mysteries? Hmm. For me, it's like the again that curiosity, right? It's um, I try to always remind myself if I go into a state of like fear or unknowing or resistance um like stay curious right because curiosity removes the the, the aspect and the relationship to being afraid of something it, it has us look in but it doesn't have us commit to it and so for me it's like the mysteries of life are always this aspect of like open up the curiosity channel and and just allow and then you know, receive and, and, and let go. Right. And it's like this feeling of flow. So what comes in is coming in, be curious about it. And if it leaves, be curious about it. Um, you know, and really getting in touch with the things that help you stay in that curious state. So for me, that's like nature and horses and friends and, you know, where you have to be resourced to stay curious. If you're, if you're not resourced, you're going to be into a controlling state. Um, yeah. yeah. 
curiosity exactly what you said it feels like the opposite of controlling you Mm -hmm. know when when we're controlling we're not curious we're trying to manage it yeah force something bound whereas curiosity is like kind of like that allowing or like I wonder what this would feel like just playing with it as opposed to to just yeah and it just like lightens and changes the whole experience so whether that's the energy around it whether that's the way we're thinking about it or how we're feeling in our body when we can incite curiosity it just it's like it lifts it it lightens the experience and it makes it more attainable and and I think especially because when you're co-creating this desired outcome for yourself in your life and you know that you're going to have to be willing to experience the opposite of what it is that you desire for a period of time curiosity is the only way (laughs) you're going to get through that without you know running into all of the previous patterns and barriers and and all those sort of things so yeah um I that's my number one thing I would tattoo it on my body is that stay curious (laughs) because it's uh it's kind of what what keeps me doing self-inquiry right and not getting stuck in the patterns and all those sort of things beautiful and how do you root into the self horses <laughs> yeah no you know um going to anything in that moment that removes stimulus so the clutter the, the chatter the you know the noise is no matter where I am whether if I have the opportunity to get out with the horses or if I have the opportunity to go for a walk in my field and be in nature then that's beautiful but no matter where I am what I'm doing if things feel too much how do I get rooted in myself is just like where can I even go in this one moment to get rid of all of the chatter and so that I can just feel into myself that could be with breath that could be locking myself in a bathroom stall somewhere for five minutes that could be right is just like remove the noise yeah and listen in and and then ask myself in this moment like what's one thing that I need right now and actually following through and taking you know, action on that, taking leadership to getting that need met, and then creating that as a consistent practice is get quiet. What do I need right now? Do that thing. And then it builds trust, builds trust in my nervous system that I'm going to, that I'm going to take care of it and that I can handle anything that might be coming my way. Yeah. Beautiful. Anything else that you want to add to this beautiful conversation before we close? I don't think so. I'm just so happy to be here. It was, a, it was great to have a conversation with you. I kind of forgot we were podcasting. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it just is awesome <laughs> to connect with you again. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. It has been. it's been great. Hmm. Well, thank you for being here. And it'll be in the show notes where everybody can reach out to Megan and experience her magic. And so, yeah, thank you so much, love. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for an episode of the Phoenix Rising podcast. Please like, share, download, subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And I will see you next week for another episode on the Phoenix Rising podcast. Sending so much love.